0: or you're new to practicing solo, you've got your game plan. Now what? First, know that you're not alone. It's the fastest growing segment of the legal profession. Welcome to New Solo here on the Legal Talk Network, where you'll learn about practicing law solo.
1: Thanks for tuning in to our program today. Before we get started, we want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, Visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash Ltn.
2: Welcome to New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad that you could listen today to our podcast. I'm attorney Kyle Gelcher. I'm a solo from Springfield, Massachusetts. I practice a variety of legal areas, including civil litigation, business law, entertainment law, intellectual property law, and consumer law. Today on New Solo, we're going to talk about all the things you may not have learned in law school if you're a young lawyer and all the things you may be facing if you've left a larger firm and now you're starting out on your own or with colleagues in a smaller firm. Today on New Solo, we'll take a look at the need-to-use technology to provide better client service, and joining me today is Catherine Sanders-Reach. She's director at the American Bar Association's Legal Technology Resource Center. She has provided uh, practice technology assistance for lawyers for over 10 years with the LTRC. Uh, prior to her work with the ABA, she worked in library and information science environments for a number of years. Welcome to New Solo, Catherine.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Uh, thanks for being here. Let's uh, let's dive right into it. Um, Google has transformed the web. Uh, what are some resources that Google offers to improve client services in regards to a lawyer's physical location?
3: Well, there's two things that you can do to uh, kind of put yourself out there on Google that don't cost a dime. One is Google Maps. And if you go to maps.google.com, you put your address in. Now, you do have to have a Google account, which is free. And then you can create a custom map um, with your location pinpointed on it, which you can then walk through an easy-to-use wizard and eventually end up with a nice little um, link to put on your website in your signature block in your email uh, on your Facebook page and what have you. One of the neat things about the, uh, the um, maps is that you can actually create a map with not only your location, but some other uh, important businesses and, and things around you. So say, for instance, um, you need to get your clients to notarize things and you don't have a notary in your office, you can pinpoint the closest notary. Or if you do a lot of um, uh, custody and, and, and work with children, you can put the closest ice cream shop so that you know when the parents come by, if they need to bring their kids, they have a place to take them to get a treat. Be creative. Think about what you can do to make it easy on your client. Um, when they're coming to see you to kind of, uh, you know, line up the errands that they're going to need to do. The other thing is Google Places, and this is simply a listing of your business uh, that you can put on Google for free. And um, then when someone does a search uh, on Google, they will find you. Don't forget that Bing uh, and Yahoo also have these types of um, places type listings that you can uh, get for free.
2: Lawyers often have a difficult time being able to build relationships with clients and to continue to foster and grow those relationships. What is Google Alerts, and and how can a lawyer use Google Alerts to keep in touch with clients?
3: Well, Google Alerts is a service, again, it's free from Google, and what you do is you put keywords into a little search box, and when Google runs this index and new uh, websites have those keywords in them, they send you an email um, or an alert. And so what you could do, again, with your clients, you could put your clients' names in there. You could put your clients' industry keywords in there. If you're serving small businesses in the area, um, think about what would be useful information for them. Put in some of the keywords. It's a way to proactively communicate with your clients, kind of let them know, you know what's going on with them. You know what's going on with their industry. You know what's going on. Say, for instance, if you do um, landlord-tenant uh, and you know that you're keeping up with what's going on in terms of um, changes in the law, you shoot them an email because you get a Google alert saying there's been a change um, and that, that's going to affect them. Then you send them an email and say, hey, just wanted to proactively let you know that this is coming down the pike. It's not solicitation. It's a way to maintain um, positive communications by letting them know what's happening. And for those of you who aren't blogging or maintaining an e-newsletter or something like that, it's an easy and quick and very personalized way of just communicating with your clients.
2: And, And to follow up that question, what is iGoogle? And again, how can it be used to communicate with clients?
3: This is Taking the Google Alerts concept a step further, iGoogle is a kind of personal portal that Google lets you create, and you can subscribe to blogs, uh, newspapers, um, you can have widgets on it, you can do all sorts of fun things with it, but in this particular context, say you subscribe to um, a news paper, a local newspaper or a blog um, that has pertinent topics for your clients, you can actually share the tab with them. Now, they may not be using iGoogle and this may not always be useful for them, but if you've got some particularly tech-forward clients, they probably, you get an iGoogle account when you get a Google account, period. You just go to google.com backslash IG and you'll see that you have a page. So you can share that Google um, iGoogle Little portal with them and create help them create their own uh, way to get information fed to them.
2: Is there a tool uh, to allow lawyers to communicate reminders to clients about upcoming appointments and events?
3: Well, yes, and, and we all use them every day. It's our text messages, email, um, voicemail, and and you know one of the things to think about is uh, doctors' appointments. Um, when you're booking a flight uh you can you're given options now to get notified of upcoming appointments um, or if your flight's been delayed or there's a status change or whatever uh via and they usually give you a choice voicemail text or email so In that initial conversation about how you will be communicating with your client, give them some options. Say, you know, when we have an upcoming appointment or when there's a deadline that needs to be met or whatever, would you like me to notify you um, via text or email or or voicemail? And just, you know, help them um, keep up with what they need to do and the appointments that are coming up.
2: Many lawyers, especially new solos, are interested in keeping a steady cash flow each month. What are some websites that offer credit card transaction services for lawyers and, and how do they work?
3: Well, there's a couple of different ones that are specific to the legal uh, profession. Now, there are things like PayPal. Um, there's ways to get online payments through Google. Uh, a- where they're not specific to the legal market because um, lawyers have specific uh, requirements. I like uh, the merchant account providers like LawPay and LawCharge because they are specific to lawyers and they kind of understand what lawyers' uh, pain points are and also um, what their ethical requirements are.
2: And what are some of the concerns of accepting credit card payments?
3: Well, as I mentioned, the one probably biggest one is, Different jurisdictions have some rules specific to how you can accept fees, and they may not allow you to uh, accept fees for anything but services rendered. Um, most jurisdictions will let you take fees for services rendered. In other cases, they may not let you take um, retainers or trust account uh, trust funds through um, credit cards. So you just have to make sure that you know what your ju- jurisdiction allows you to do. The nice thing with the legal-specific merchant account providers is they're not only aware of, of those uh, different vagaries in the ethical uh, jurisdiction issues, but they also can handle um, keeping the funds separated and stuff like that.
2: What are the ethical problems related to using email to communicate with clients? And are there websites that offer additional security for electronic communications?
3: Well, there's no real ethical problem per se. The ABA has a a formal opinion that says a lawyer may transmit information relating to the representation of a client using unencrypted email. And most people stop reading it there. However, they do put a caveat that a lawyer should consult with a client and follow her instructions as to the mode of transmitting highly sensitive information. So, you know, basically... It's not necessarily saying you don't have to encrypt, but there may be circumstances where you need to encrypt. Uh, I was talking to an attorney who represents um, clients who create new food products, and I asked him if he was encrypting um, his email, and he said no. Well, he's dealing with people who are uh, – dealing with trade secrets, um, putting out new products on the market in a highly competitive atmosphere, and it might be uh, a good idea to maintain um, some encryption. The nice thing is encryption of email is much easier than it used to be, and you've got products like Dialog, Six Corp, R-Post that make it really, really easy and fairly transparent for both the sender and the receiver to get encrypted uh, communications um, without having to understand cryptography. Uh,
2: at what is DocuSign.com and what advantage does it offer?
3: Well, DocuSign.com, it has several competitors. One's right Signature. Adobe just bought um, another competitor called Echo Sign. And what these are, are, you sign up for a subscription with them, and they allow you to take a document that needs multiple signatures, um, sometimes a, a signature workflow, and send it electronically to someone so that instead of having to have someone get an email with a document, print it out, sign it, scan it, and send it back to you, or print it out, sign it, and mail it back to you, you can actually have them electronically sign it. It's encrypted. Um, they can do it with their mouse. If you think of the, um, the the way that FedEx and UPS for years have had us sign on a, uh, a little handheld device, it's a very similar concept. Um, and so, people, you know, keeping people from having to print things out, helping them keep it paperless, and also helping just keep that workflow going um, so that they don't get the document and put it to the side until they can deal with it later. They can just sign it on the fly and it gets sent right back to you.
2: More lawyers are becoming interested in the cloud and offering documents online to clients. What are some re- websites you could suggest and, and can you explain how the cloud works?
3: Well, the cloud basically is, is I think, revolutionizing uh, solo firm practice because instead of relying on a a complex IT infrastructure in the background and having to have servers and IT people and things like that, um, you're transferring all of those responsibilities to a third party. Um, And so you basically get to enjoy all the the benefits of uh, a complex IT infrastructure without um, paying for it. Instead, it's usually a monthly fee that you pay for. And so what's Coming out now is the ability to put documents in a a secured location online, give your clients access to those documents. Again, instead of emailing documents back and forth or having your client call in a panic, you know, at six o'clock in the uh, in in the evening and asking for you know to to email a document over or whatever, they can go and access the documents um, that you've been working on at any time. You have complete control over what goes up there, and then they go and access them. Um, at will, uh, especially for your clients who keep hours very different from your own, uh, this is a very useful thing. And it it, it gives the client a feeling of um, empowerment. And we know because of the Internet, uh, we've been empowered to do a lot of things that used to be kind of stymied um, by a middleman. Uh, that no longer has to be the case.
2: Is there a tool available to allow clients to schedule themselves into your appointment book? Uh, how would that work, and are there any confidentiality issues with uh, with these websites?
3: Well, there's a number of different uh, vendors out there that that allow you to basically put an appointment book online, it integrates with either Outlook or Google Calendar um, or if you're using some other calendar, a lot of times they'll use the iCal uh, standard. And what it does is it doesn't show your personal calendar online, but rather when someone goes to your website, say you offer free consultations, someone can actually book an appointment with you. And some of the tools that are out there are things like GenBook or Appointment Plus or BookFresh. And it just shows free busy times um, and you can block and you can, you know, you can control specific times that you, you say you just want um, free consultations in the afternoon, you just create it so that that's the only time available. People can book online. If you need to change the appointment, um, you can change it and I'll send them an email um, to let them know. They're fairly sophisticated tools. They do cost something per month, but um, in terms of just letting, kind of letting your uh, potential and current clients set up uh, meetings with you, it's very easy.
2: We need to take a short break when we return. More with Catherine Sanders Reach. Want to stay in touch with the Legal
0: Talk Network and get our shows automatically? RSS provides home delivery. You don't have to remember where to click. The good stuff comes right to you, automatically and free. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and hit the RSS button at the top of the page. It says Our Podcast Feeds. Now you'll be all set. If you like listening to New Solo, you might also like the Unbillable Hour on LegalTalkNetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook,
2: Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're joined by Catherine Sanders Reach. She's director at the American Bar Association's Legal Technology Resource Center. Welcome back, Catherine.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Um, if a lawyer wanted to have an in-person meeting without being in person, are there applications available to accomplish that task?
3: There certainly are. and And one of the really nice things about web conferencing um, is that even if you live in a small community, traffic can get gnarly and you don't want to have to drive across town just to have a quick conference with your client i mean there there's no you know way to get around having some in-person in-person meetings and that's a good thing but um for quick conversations one of the things we know about email is it does not convey emotion. It doesn't. Um, it, it's not a great form of communication in terms of, of, of picking up on hints. You may want to see your client to see how they react to something, to see their facial expression. Um, or you want to share a document. And emailing it to someone in a form that you're not ready to, to share with them, um, you just want to have a draft in front of their, their eyes but not necessarily share it with them. So by using a web conference, you, you can do those things. Probably most folks have heard of Skype. Well, Skype gives you video conferencing, and most people have it or it can get it because it doesn't cost anything to download. And then if you have a video camera, you can have a quick face-to-face meeting. Um, there's a lot of tools that are built into the new iPhones and Androids, uh, smartphones, for doing quick web conferencing um, and face-to-face conferencing. To, to get a little bit more sophisticated, say you wanted to share desktop or share documents, then you add the web conferencing uh, tools, things like um, Macogo or join.me or WebEx, and that lets you put things in front of them, whether it's a PowerPoint presentation that you're going to be giving or you can put a document up and let them kind of go through it line by line but without actually touching it, and you can make real-time changes to it. So lots of ways to not actually have to go and have an in-person meeting, but get all those subtleties and um, do it in a synchronous way versus asynchronously via email, which um, sometimes is just not an effective form of communication.
2: Aside from Skype uh, that you had mentioned is a free product, what is the price range for some of these conferencing services?
3: Well, the nice thing is, um, and it depends on the feature set, there's a lot of free tools. Join.me is free. Uh, freeconferencecall.com just came out with a free web conferencing tool. Um, there's a, a fairly sophisticated web conference tool called Macogo. Um, all of those are free. Then you get up into your um, uh, GoToMeeting, WebEx um, some of the Adobe Adobe Now products, those cost anywhere from $20 a month to $50 a month. And that depends on the number of users you're going to have participating and how often you plan to use it, uh, things like that. But when you get into the more sophisticated c based products, you're getting uh, chat rooms, uh, voice communication, uh, video communication, uh, whiteboards, Document sharing, um, being able to upload documents to it. So it, you know, the feature sets, as they get more sophisticated, you will find you'll pay and it just depends on your needs. And the nice thing is, I flip between using different tools depending on what I need to do.
2: What is SurveyMonkey and why is it important for a new lawyer to consider integrating it into his or her practice?
3: Well, SurveyMonkey is simply a survey tool. It's a web-based uh, free tool, although you can pay a little bit per month and have it branded with your firm's logo and um, website address and things of that nature. And what what I like to see people doing with this is, and whether they use SurveyMonkey or something like a Google form, is at the end of representation, Checking with the client saying, basically, how did I do? And it's not whether you won or lost the case, but how are my services? Was I responsive? Um, did I meet your expectations? Uh, you know, and, and sometimes the truth is painful and people will be critical, but it's, it's a great way to learn. What mistakes you made, how you can do better, what your client's perception was of you, learn from your mistakes, um, thrill when you've made someone happy, and uh, and the client will also appreciate being asked.
2: What programs are available that would uh, possibly allow a client to log in to an online account and see the status of their case?
3: Well, there's a couple out there right now. Um, there's a number of, again, the kind of cloud-based, uh, practice management systems, uh, like Clio or Rocket Matter, where there's a case status, um, area that there's another one called My Case 2 that will let you do that, where they can log in and see kind of where they are in, in the status of the matter. Depending on kind of your workflow and your clients and what kind of work you're doing, there's other tools like Basecamp and uh, Zoho Project where you're really working with the client on a particular project say you're you're helping a new business get started up there's a whole laundry list of things that both of you need to be doing you could use a basecamp uh tool to break the project up into milestones and then tasks and everybody can know where you are in the process it doesn't always work for every situation but there are certainly lots of tools to allow you to kind of um interact with your client communicate with your client make them have access to uh, kind of what the status of the matter is, what they need to be doing. Um, you can also use extranet products. There's things like PBWorks out there, um, another standalone. Uh, the, it used to be a wiki, now it's kind of an extranet product. And then things like uh, net documents, which is um, creates little client extranets as well.
2: To sum everything up, why are all of these technological advances? crucial to the success of a firm, regardless of whether the person is a new solo or whether it's an established big firm?
3: Well, I think that today's consumer is empowered to do so many things for herself that you have to think about, you know, if if you can book your flights online, um, you can Pay all your bills online. Uh, you can download streaming movies. You can you can do all of this stuff that you used to be have to go out and either interact with someone else, stand in line, or um, you know if you rented a movie, you had to take it back. We we're so empowered by the internet that if lawyers are not using these kind of tools to make the availability and working with the lawyer um, more accessible to clients, then their experience is going to feel very old-fashioned, very clunky, and I think it's a huge perception changer in that they're, you're bringing on technologies that empower the client to, to help themselves.
2: Well, that about does it for this edition of New Solo. Remember, you can find all of our shows at Legal dot You can also subscribe to this program through iTunes. A very special thanks to my guest, Catherine Sanders Reach, uh, for joining me today. Thank you. If someone wants more information on today's topic, how can they reach you?
3: I, uh, you can find us at www.lawtechnology.org. You can call three one two nine eight eight five four six five. Or you can just go to the ABA's website at www.americanbar.org.
2: And, of course, you can contact me directly at kyle at legaltalknetwork.com. We're out of time. I would like to thank our sponsor, Firm Manager, from LexisNexis. You can find out more about Firm Manager at myfirmmanager.com backslash L-T-N. Join us next time for another new episode of New Solo here on the Legal Talk Network. Have a great day, everyone.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to New Solo today. Hope you'll listen to next month's edition with attorney Kyle Gelcher right here on the Legal Talk Network. And a reminder to check out firm manager at myfirmmanager.com forward slash LTN. It's a business solution for lawyers created by lawyers from LexisNexis.